Welcome to On the Side with Jackie London, a BS-free podcast where we're talking all things food, nutrition, and wellness to help you build healthier habits that stick. As a registered dietitian, author, journalist, and former clinician turned content creator, I've heard and seen it all. Join me each week as I debunk diet myths, explore the latest wellness trends, and answer all of your pressing listener questions. Plus, we'll hear from a guest who will kick off each interview weekly with a soup to nuts rundown and okay, sometimes analysis of what they're eating, cooking, ordering in, or where they're dining out with tons of delicious ideas, lots of laughs, and plenty of pro tips in between. The one thing I can actually guarantee, I'll serve up tangible, actionable strategies to help you apply the science behind what works to what works best for you. Listeners, I mean, I feel like I start every episode the same damn way, and yet I just want to gush about today's guest. I just can't help it. I want to gush about her, and I feel like I can because she's that amazing, and you probably already know her, particularly if you spend any time in your car driving anywhere and listening to Sirius XM. My guest today is Jenny Hutt. She is that Jenny of Just Jenny and Wait Wednesday, which she hosts on Sirius Stars channel. She is fantastic, an amazing person. I have gotten to know her a little bit over the years, but we never actually got the chance to sit down and do a real deep dive about her personal weight loss journey. Her state of health, her well being, and how she's managed physical, emotional, and psychological wellness throughout the course of her life and, and while going through a number of different really scary things. She broke two ribs. <laughs> in just the last couple months. And I mean, if you guys have ever hurt a rib, you know it's really fucking painful. It's literally the most painful thing I can imagine ever having happened to anyone, much less me. And I only hurt one rib one time, and that was many years ago. Okay, I'm getting off track. The point is, Jenny Hutt is incredible. I think you're going to love this conversation. We get into the whole conversation that's happening right now that that kind of comes up a lot in Jenny's everyday social media life. TikTok and Instagram influencers saying that by posting videos on what I eat in a day, what I ate Wednesday or weight Wednesday as is Jenny's show that this is harmful and dangerous and damaging to other people who may be struggling with disordered eating and Jenny's got a lot to say. And frankly, I'm here for most of what she has to say. There's only a couple of things on which I think we may disagree, but but honestly, I can't really disagree because I'm a practitioner, you guys. Just a reminder, I'm a practitioner. I'm a dietitian. It's my job to help people really achieve their own goals, right? So as you'll hear throughout this conversation, I am super supportive of Jenny's entire journey of everything that she has been through and how she figured out what really worked for her and the people that she worked with along the way. This is your official trigger warning because we do talk about weight loss in this episode. And so if that feels like it's too much for you right now, I totally understand. And I will see you next week. And if not, then I think it's really interesting to just hear Jenny's personal experience. A lot of what I have worked with in the past and what I've dealt with in the past with clients and working for a publicly traded company is that 
a lot of the time what we will are so eager to call diet culture out in the universe, out in the wilderness, out everywhere on social media platforms, right? What we call diet culture is often something that companies might call user-generated content. And I think if you work at a brand or if you have any experience working at a brand, you know what UGC is, right? So the challenge with this often is why we can't knock people for their personal journey, but we can't always 100% agree with everyone all the time, right? And I think where this this lands me and where you'll hear this land me and Jenny in the course of this conversation over the next hour is that we're really here to be in our own different ways, supportive of what your personal choices are and help you find strategies and solutions that help you live in a way that aligns with your values. So I've talked about that before. I'm sure I will be talking about it all of the time again, next week, the week after, all the time. <laughs> but I I really, I just wanted to be clear about that and say that at the top that, that this, I am, my profession is about helping you. Yes, there are going to be people that also have my credentials and that say things differently. There are going to be people that have different opinions. And I think so much of that has to do with marketing and has to do with the current marketing landscape that we live in. But ultimately, that's how I was trained. And I'm a clinician. So I'm about the science first and the science as it applies to you also first, right? Those two things can be first at the same time. Yes, I am actually going to fucking say that right now. I'm saying it. All right. Without further ado, we're not going to do a question today. I'm going to go right into the episode because Jenny's got a number of questions for me. So I think we really get into the meat and potatoes of that here. But I would love I would love to hear from you listeners. I cannot wait to hear what you think of today's episode. I can't wait to hear what you think of Jenny. I think you are going to truly love this episode. It really is so vulnerable and fun and funny. And Jenny is just hilarious and self-deprecating and, and just my kind of my kind of girl. All right. So if you have questions, if you need anything from me. <laughs> as it relates to this podcast or content that you want to hear more of, questions that you have about food, nutrition, wellness, weight loss, anything, okay? Um, please leave me a rating, a review, and I would love to hear from you at JacquelineLondonRD on Instagram. I am so looking forward to what you think of this episode. I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. Welcome. It's a twice Jenny in one day, which is really a treat. It's a rare day, but it's a treat. Tell me where, what's going on? What's happening in a day in the life? Like what oh. is a Jenny Hutt day in, day in life? I know we get a good, we get a, we get a good what I eat in a day sometimes on Instagram, but we mm -hmm. don't always get a full day. It's not always a full picture of a day. So, so tell me what's today, question. what's happening? I, lo I love that question because I think people, and it actually pertains to food stuff because I think people get so bent, bent out of shape sometimes about yeah. what I eat in a day and how I post it and when I eat or whatever, or what I eat. Um, because people think that I'm only by myself, that I never eat with other people. Right. And that the, the real answer is, of course, I eat with other people, but other people don't want to be on camera or don't want right. to be on my TikTok or on my Instagram. So right. a day in the life is I'm up most days, either 6 or 6.15 or 5.45, depending on when our dogs wake us up. My husband and I alternate mornings taking them out, but see, I win because I, every Sunday he sleeps late. Like that's the one thing he's asked is he could just have Sunday late sleep. So I'm like, that's fine. But then Saturday you have to take the dogs out and yeah. Friday he takes the dogs out Wednesdays and Mondays. So he has four days and I have three, which is great. So we typically <laughs> will take the dogs out early in the morning and then, cause they wake us ridiculously early and then we'll go back to sleep for an hour with them. So if we're up oh. at six, we'll go back to sleep for an hour and then we'll feed them after seven. 
Anyway, they run our starts, lives. They run, they they run our lives. They run <laughs> our lives. So that's every day. The one consistent thing is that I'm always up somewhere in the early sixes or late fives. It's a rare occasion that it gets past 630. I have, to, I have to interject this to ask yeah. an important question because yeah. it, because it, it might, well, actually it won't be because they left. They left. My, yeah. my hyenas have left the building. But oh, love. But in, in general, do you find that there's a, a dinner, a dinner bell in the form of like a wine oh, yeah. that starts, oh God, but yes. what time? So if they eat at six, cause ours probably don't eat till yeah. seven or eight. So like if they eat at six, that seven in the morning, no, like, they don't eat till okay. seven in the morning. Okay. Okay. We okay. don't have them they go, eat till they seven. They go out at six and then we go back to sleep for an hour and then they eat at seven. Oh, so I know they're so cute, but then they eat dinner around four. But yes, there's a wine, there's a runaround, there's a pitter-patter. Yes. One of them, her <laughs> hunger clock is like the minute it's four, she's like, she does a sneezing. Like she sneezes. <laughs> the the sneeze. Sneeze. Oh, yeah. Yes, she's a that sneezer. sneeze. Totally. And then another one of ours, Harley, she talks. The, the Harley <laughs> will be like, Harley will wake us in the morning with a, <sighs> like I'm uncomfortable. I feel yes, hunger. I need to make, or I need exactly. to make I I need out right. now. So it's fine. <laughs> so I'm up then, Jackie. And then I, um, and then usually is the older I get, the more time I need in the morning to kind of totally. like get into the day yes. for my body to wake up. Like I swear you, I have to pee two to three times in the morning till I feel like I finally peed the whole night out. Even though <laughs> yes. I wake up in the middle of the night to pee too. It's like my body is slow at 52 years old. It is slow. Typically, I will, I mean, it varies day to day, but most days I, I get my call, like I'm dressed and ready to do whatever the day is going to be by like 8.15 or 8.30. Now, dressed and ready means exercise clothing because right. like I refuse to be uncomfortable in my clothing anymore. So obviously, if I have to go somewhere, I'll throw on a dress or I'll do my hair. Or I'll make myself right. look like a person. But beyond that, it's all workout clothes at home because I have texture and textile issues. Like I definitely, yes. the more I watch on TikTok about people with sensory issues, oh my god, I, I have sensory issues and I always have. My son has them and neither of us are on the spectrum, but we have these real, yeah. totally real sensory issues, which I think ties into weight and body stuff too, because anything that feels constricting, uh-huh. I'm not comfortable in. So regardless of weight, if totally. it's tight, I can't do it. So I like like, and I can only wear cotton, no wool. So I get my exercise clothing on and then usually I'll, I'll go downstairs and make my coffee to take it back upstairs to exercise. And that sort of starts my um, morning and then I'll figure out the news, what's going on. I'll start to think about my show and then talk about it on my radio show. And then I have to check in with my other company, which is Bunny Eyes. It's my reading glasses. And then- Which are fab. I was just going to ask if those were Bunny Eyes. I love them. Okay. And then I, thanks. And then I, um, and then I figure out what other stuff I have to do. If I'm doing some influencer work, I'll do some of that. I mean, there's always something, my mornings seem to go really, really quickly. And then, and I try my best to get my steps done in the morning. It doesn't always happen. I always do 10,000 steps every day, at least 10,000 steps. And some days that's in the form of a workout. Some days it's not really a workout. I just move a lot and I might walk on the treadmill slowly, but it's not really like a heart pumping or whatever. Totally. But, um, but other days I'll go outside and do five miles up outside with hills. Oh. And then that's a workout. And that's like, I love those mornings and those mornings, the coffee has to happen after the walk. hundred percent. Yeah. I will have to pee otherwise. So right. I go that I do that. I do right. fasted and I don't do it fasted for any like 
metabolic reason. I do it fast right. so I don't have to pee. Like exactly. that's the only reason why. Yeah. It's fasting because so, it's logical. I mean, it's, it. <laughs> it's literally it. just it's tapped why. in. Yeah. Right. Just because I have to pee. Mm-hmm. We got it. We got to talk. We got to pause here to, to, to divert sure. to something that you said on, I listened to last week's, um, Wait Wednesday, Wait yeah. Wednesday and yeah. you talked about something that literally I spit out my water. I was laughing so hard. Can you tell our listeners what the AARP walk is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look, I remember when Al Gore said he invented the internet. It, it was, it's so well said. I remember it well. Yeah. And I feel so, like he's still yeah. sticking to it. I he mean, he still wants to, to die it. on that. So <laughs> I feel like if he invented the internet, then I invented the hot girl walk. Yes. And I decided that walking was good for everyone. Like for the past, I would say I lost a lot of weight in 2010, 29 to 2010. And and from there, I started walking all the time. And I used to like answer emails before social media was this engaged, the way it is back and forth and lives and stuff. I would talk to my treadmill. I'd like write down questions people asked me and then answer them from my treadmill. I'd spend a lot of time on my treadmill. And I have always found it, it really only happened two and a half years ago that I realized that exercise was enough. i like walking as an exercise yeah. was enough. Yeah. Um, Cause I used to feel like I had to really hurt it right. my body and punish myself and like whatever. Right. And then, uh, but even then I used to just walk all the time and walking was like the thing. And I know how beneficial it was, but now everybody <laughs> is talking about it's the hot girl so walk true. and everyone's, so you know, true. walking this and walking is enough. And it's great to just walk and it moves all the muscles and it uses everything and walk a pills. And I'm like, hello, I invented right. that. I created it. I invented so, this. Right. So <laughs> the, the AARP walk was the other day. My, my daughter was like, mom, let's go on a hot girl walk. And I'm like, <laughs> Like that. Like, do I have to do great. my hair for this? Like, is yeah. that, like that's that would be my first thought. Is do I have to blow dry for this? Like, yeah, <laughs> correct. But at fifty, like when you turn fifty, you get a W. You get the AARP card comes in the mail, which is mean, but whatever. It shows up and you see it, and you're right. like, why am I getting this? I should get this at sixty five. Right. But no, AARP kicks in at fifty is when they start talking to you. So now at 52, like that's all. It's an AARP hot girl walk. Like I'm an old lady walking and I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. And that's what I'm doing now. Oh God, but you didn't, yeah. first of all, you did invent it. Let's just give the credit where it's due. Thank Al Gore is going to take credit for the internet. I'd like you I to get take credit in. for the AARP walk. Number you. one. Number two, is it, why is it getting earlier and earlier? It does seem, you say 50, but I'm pretty uh-huh. sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they found me at 30. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I turned 30. I think I they it. found me. Like I'm, I feel like they've got a nice yeah. rotation going. Like if you're above know. 18, you might yeah. get something from the AARP. And I you just might. feel like maybe Ugh. we just need to destigmatize it. I don't know. I, know. I, I don't I... know what the answer is to that. <laughs> the answer is we're so consumed with youth culture and it's aging so is so not, you know, it's your sister. I actually, Stacey, I appreciate so much because she, with her hair, her totally. whole aesthetic, things that she's written. The first time I think she did my show was when she wrote a piece about the clothing that she was choosing yes. to wear, what she felt was appropriate. And I think I had that moment probably like a year or two late, but then finally did where I felt like I, I knew all of a sudden it became really clear to me how I felt comfortable dressing. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be so liberating. Like there's, totally. it's okay that I don't want to show 
my tits and my ass in the same outfit. Like I don't need the tight top and the tight pants anymore. Like I'm happy in a muumu. I am happy. You know, yes. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, you know what's so crazy about that too is that I feel like I've felt that that what she was describing in that article is a great article. It, it so was good. just, but like, it was so on point because who doesn't feel like that at some, at some point, point right? Like even I, I literally can remember being 25 and thinking, am I too old to wear this? But like, there, like, where does that come from? Like I was a, I was an infant you know, when I thought that, but yeah. like, I don't get where that entirely comes from, but there is this sense of like, um, that happens. like not even, and sometimes it's not even related to, to age. It's more just like, do I wear this? Yes. Well, <laughs> that's what I, I mean? loved about what she wrote. Right. Because it doesn't, it doesn't feel to me about age anymore. It right. actually feels like comfort level and maybe right. my station in life of passing the baton to my daughter. I don't know, but I feel better in a maxi dress or in jeans and a t-shirt with a duster. Like I right. feel better that way. So, right. and maybe I think with maturing as women, I know what the world is filled with. I know what men are like. I just, it's not, 100%. yeah, it's not what, it, obviously it's not a woman's fault when a man cat calls, clearly not. But right. I, I also feel better not sort of adding to it for me. I'm, I'm more 100%. comfortable that way at this age. Meanwhile, a cat call, on the other hand, it's, that lovely. Feels like, it's wonderful. Lovely. Please, lovely. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> a cat call. Listen, yeah. we, we take it further than a cat call, please don't. But no. like a cat call. A little sure. one is fine. Hello? For sure. I much say rather hi to like us. Me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just don't get mad Just... at me if I don't smile or I don't, you know, tell you I want to take my clothes off. Like Exactly. Yeah. I'm probably mm-hmm. not going to say I would like to take my clothes off. I probably right. am going to unintentionally smile just yes. because I'll think still got it. <laughs> yes. And you do. And you do, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yes. All right. So let's go. All right. So we've got the hot girl morning yeah. walk. The hot girl. But wait, A-R-P I have a question walk. for you. Yes, How are me. you holding up in the climate right now of like the anti-diet culture and this like onslaught of rage toward mm. a registered dietitian who's happy to help someone achieve their weight loss goals. Like it's a really nutty thing. It really is. And it's so, I mean, I'll give you, we can, well, we can talk, we can talk really about this as much as we feel like, but I'll I'll give you the sort of like overview of, of the current circumstance is that, and we've had, we've had plenty of incredible intuitive eating um, dietitians on this podcast. We've had, um, and we've had people who come from really, and I had an amazing cardiologist on who is, Really, who is much more just because of the way that she was trained, much more focused on numbers. Like, there's lots of it. We try to get as many different viewpoints as possible. The crazy thing about the current landscape really is that it is so clear what has happened as a result of platforms. Because the concept, the the principles that are being taught in intuitive eating, I want to say that their their original book was published in the 90s. Yeah, by Evelyn yeah. Tilly, and she's fabulous. fabulous and exactly. it's smart. I own right. the book and exactly. I've read it. Like I know all about exactly. it. Like, I, right. Yeah. And like that like that's the craziest part is that the actual concepts and the philosophy and the implementation of all of those things I'm so here for. And I try to practice that both on the podcast and in my work and everywhere else. Yeah. The, 
The nuance of it, though, is the marketing of like how it gets presented on all platforms right. everywhere. And the fact that algorithms reward that because you get other people being like, yes, like or or that it's immediate engagement because at first it looked like it was new, like it was something yeah. sort of new. It was presented that way. Right. And it, it is. Presented. And like in some ways, right. like we need the voice that is saying, hey, we don't need to get caught up on like the size zero, like all of that right. kind no. of bullshit that comes at us, like the polar opposite of that. I think it was almost like a reaction is how it started. Like this, the marketing yeah. was the reaction. And then on yeah. the, and then at the same time, I'm totally with you. Like it is, it can be like really, it can be super aggressive. And if it, it definitely, I can see so easily and so clearly like how a consumer, how you're, how an everyday person who is not trained in this yeah. might think, wait, is it not okay to want to lose weight? Like, is that not okay? Yeah. And that's like yeah. the last thing that anyone should be making anyone feel. Whatever you want to do with your body that makes you feel good you is what you it. should be doing. Right. Yeah. So like, I just hate that kind of other side of it. I think you're word is so perfect and it is so sums it all up which is overcorrecting it it's is. overcorrection it's an it's overcorrection to some, to, yeah. to some extent to see and there's also like like this mix up this like little conflation between what is a social justice movement versus what is actual like the yeah. actual science behind and we're meant to Correct. be so like you can have plenty you can also have whatever opinion you want on social justice but like then i would prefer that you if you're also a practitioner maybe somehow state that so that we know that like as a scientist you're not saying x but like as a human you are that's okay too like yeah. but the clarity is missing you know like the it nuance is. and the clarity is missing oh my god and then like i think because of the social justice movement even that has gotten conflated yes. because people should be anti-skinny right. and anti the notion of like trying to achieve an aesthetic something right. rather than right. anti-diet culture because it's not really about dieting it's about all the other stuff of trying to achieve a certain look or trying to yes yeah and, yes. and of course who isn't at this point anti-skinny right. I was laughing with a doctor the other day that like I was saying listen I know if you put me in the middle of the country I'm thin right. you put me in Manhattan I'm fat and I was kidding <laughs> right but like right. I'm fat for Manhattan and I'm fat for Hollywood no am I fat not at all but we're all so crazy right that different cities different towns different I live in Nassau County these girls are like the size of my pinky. I will always be the fat one in the group. I don't care. I think it's hysterical. Right. I want to be healthy. Like right. my body needs to be healthy for me. Now, would I be happy 10 pounds heavier? No, but right. I don't have to be. And I think, I think that's the other part that yes. drives me crazy about this movement yeah. that I, I do believe that some of these dietitians are full of shit. And I do believe that some of them who do have a history of eating disorders, which makes sense by yes. the way, yeah. who have then learned intuitive eating because they had to fight their way back from anorexia nervosa, which is a right. serious mental illness serious and a serious illness. eating right. disorder. Right. Of course, they had to learn it. But now they're trying to tell people who are suffering from the disease of obesity or whatever it is that they have, that they can just screw it all and eat what they want barely going through the sort of steps that I know you would take your, your right. patients through. Right. And, and I'm saying to myself, you skinny dietitian right. who wants to talk about the fact that, you know, you're privileged in your thin body. I can't stand I, that really, that really like, irks me. Like I, I, first of all, yeah. first of all, yes. If you want to say, I, I also, and this is personal opinion, unless yeah. clinician hat that I would be wearing, but if you're 
like we are, first of all, to be able to spend any time at all on social media means privilege. Like, right, of course. Like, take that. Of like, course. Okay, so right. do you have to, I feel like announcing that is maybe redundant, but okay. But then when I also hear the other part of the privilege of like, I of like here I am, I'm going to list all of my credentials and here are all the reasons why I'm going to like sort of self-flagellate before I tell you something that maybe, yeah. uh, maybe seems obvious or not to you, whatever it is is that we're taking away the education and training that goes into what we do. And I feel like that's just not good for our profession. And there's, and there are like, and I have seen both sides, right? Because there was a scandal and I just got deep into this podcast. Probably listeners of this podcast will also be interested in listeners of your show will be interested. Is this fed up on Wondery is doing this fed up. And that also makes me want to go shame on you for making us look bad because because what happened there is is literally like perhaps none of the philosophy or any of the kind of quote unquote rules were actually intended to be as stringent seeming as as they were as they were interpreted but because they were interpreted that way and there was no like Sort of like, let me check myself for a second. The way that it was handled was so egregious that I just feel that sometimes I'm like, who's reacting to whom at this point? Like, is everyone reacting? Like, are we all just kind of combating one another at this point? Like, we've got to have rational thoughts. (laughs) I, that whole thing was so, you know, I grew up with Tanya, literally went to high school with Tanya. So the way that I know her is very different from how the whole thing has been portrayed. And it's been extremely uncomfortable because the way, what I know of her is she would never intentionally harm anybody. Now, were there missteps along the way? Yeah, everybody has missteps along the way. We all do. And I'm not going to speak to sort of the managing of the trouble or whatever. It's so uncomfortable. But I know in my core that she has done this work for 25 years. She's a really I good totally dietitian. Yeah. She really does know the science. She did change the game and the conversation on fiber. I don't care mm. what anybody says. She did make fiber sexy. And the whole thing sucks. The whole yeah. thing became, again, it's the, the word of this episode of your podcast is completion. It was a completing of all different yeah. things like personalities, uh, wealth, how people feel about other right. people's wealth accomplishments, pretty people, skinny right. people, like there's all sides of this that really have very little to do with actual dieting. And that's yep. why it's salacious. But so if we're going to talk about like what she actually does, she's a damn good dietitian. Yeah. And you know what? If there was jokes about bananas and not eating bananas and instead of having wine, she wasn't really saying to anybody, go drink a bottle of wine. Right. She was just giving like an eat this or eat that, like the right. eat this, not that, like deal a meal from Richard Simmons a hundred years ago. And whatever right. else. And I get it. I'm not, again, I'm not, it's it just, if you, if you, I get why it was salacious and why it was fun for people to sort of glom into and jump onto. But I can tell you that her intentions would have never been to hurt it. Like, that's just not who she is. Like her or, or don't. Totally. Like, I don't care. But that's just not, that's just not who she is. So that's where I was yeah. like, uh, I mean, and yeah. also, and like seeing it from the outside also was was fast like so so I was at WW at the time that this like yeah. came out and and yeah. what was fascinating from that standpoint is that I just thought like like honestly at the end of the day what this ultimately becomes about is actually that you need <laughs> that at the very least you gotta yeah. know what's in your dietary supplements. 
Okay, that's <laughs> it's too. like, too uh, you got, okay, so we've got to do yeah. a third party testing on any dietary supplement. And I feel like that, that in and of itself is such a huge deal. And, and that might've, that was where I felt like, all right, so something actually very well could be in here that is harming people. And we've got to take some ownership and understanding of how that industry works or does not work rather. Exactly. <laughs> and I think she learned that right. lesson. Exactly. But, you know, this level yeah, of vitriol yeah, was totally. so nutty and unnecessary. And and again, I, I mean, I get why people, pretty people, make uh, interesting topics for people to talk about. And sure, she goes on great vacations. But again, she's, she's not a bad person. Like, it's Yeah, just, I know. I mean, we've really lost that ability to be yeah, like, this yeah. doesn't make someone, like, uh, to be honest, because because really what what yeah. is amazing about Tanya, and I say this without really knowing her, but what is amazing is that no one goes into nutrition to get rich. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, that, tell, I'm telling right? you right so you now. you know what I mean? Like just listen, right there, I, I can say that confidently. Like no one's going yeah. into this game going, you know what? This is going to be like gambling in Vegas on a really hot weekend. <laughs> right, no. And again, that. I'm going to tell you again, she does know her stuff. Right. Like she's right. Right. A, a smart girl who, who again, really studied, really like you, did the full registered dietitian clinical thing, ended up having her patients mm-hmm. lose weight. She's a marketer. Good for yeah, her. Exactly. Like, exactly. I, you know, so that's all. Yeah. And, I, and as I said before, she would not have ever intentionally caused harm to anyone. And, and whatever happened after the fact, look, people go through shit and right. you don't know what it's like until you're in the position. So I, you know, right. I feel for her and, and right. Yeah. That's all about that. But again, even with that, yeah. you know, this idea that a registered dietitian will cause someone's eating disorder is oh, also yeah. a miscalculation yeah. because, because I get that. I get that from what I eat in a day or, yeah, or being on my weight Wednesday that. show. Right. Yes. I get told all the time, you are eating disorder. You're causing eating disorders. You're crazy. Why are you so consumed with weight? What, everyone must hate you. I mean, I get like the, your, your poor children. Um, oh, which, God. I mean, from the moment insane. I had my children, like the one thing I said out loud, any chance I got yeah. to my husband, to anyone who would listen, was that I just didn't want to fuck them up the way I was fucked up about my body. Right. That was the only thing I knew that I had to do the right way. The rest, the rest I knew I'd screw up because every right. mother screws up. Right. Be- right. You do the very best you can and your kids will still have reasons to seek professional help. <laughs> but I didn't want it to be about their body. I didn't want either of my kids, my son or my daughter, to define their worth by the size and shape of their bodies. I just couldn't allow that to happen. And by the grace of God, that didn't happen. I mean, I have a 22 year old daughter who is the most confident, like secure girl, whether she's five pounds heavier or five pounds lighter, depending on her hormones and super hormone sensitive. She exercises Mm -hmm. because she loves how it makes her brain feel. She chooses good food because she knows nutrition matters. She also has junk because she's 22 and she's great. And that's like my biggest win. But the whole I'm causing eating disorders is so bizarre to me because a i'm not anorexic b i'm not underweight c i don't have binge eating disorder d i'm not bulimic uh e i don't tell anybody to starve and f i always say don't emulate me just use what i do as a springboard for you to recognize that you can find what you should do but it's not about following my methods my methods are bizarre haphazard and and have taken me years to figure out how to keep my body the way I need it to be. 
but you got to do that work yourself. I can't, I can't have done it for you because we're not all built the same. So I know this in my core and these people, I've had registered dietitians on TikTok, like do at my videos and say that I eat fewer calories than a toddler needs. And I'm like, but a toddler's still growing. Right. I am not. (laughs) I am a perimenopausal woman. Of course, a toddler should eat more than I eat. They're building bones. They're getting tall. They're running around. I am like home walking at 52 years old. Everything's like dying on the inside. I don't need that many calories. You know, it's what's so funny and so perfectly well said about that is that not, it does make you feel and, and you and me in this, in this situation, right? Like where I'm seeing this kind of thing too, or where where there are these, this duetting or like all of that kind of stuff where I'm just like, have we forgotten that not everyone lives the same lifestyle? Meaning that it, that it is for some people, you will not need as much. If you have your tush in a chair the entire day, toddlers do not have their tush in a chair the entire day. No, they don't. So like, yes, they have less surface area. I get it. But like, and they're growing, but people right. think like they also think that that movement or daily movement mm-hmm. or non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, mm-hmm. that that we burn more than we actually do. I am not delusional. I don't actually believe the numbers on my Apple Watch. I use it as trends. I use right. it so I know that I'm active. I use it so that I know that I'm not sedentary. I use it as like like a kick in the ass. Yeah. to get me going. I don't rely on the caloric breakdown because it's not right. accurate. It can't be. And so I right. know I'm not, you know, I don't work hard. When I walk, I walk great distance. I could walk for days, but yeah. I'm not, you know, my heart rate doesn't go up right. at this point. I have to push myself so hard. I don't want to push myself so right. hard. So I'm not burning that many calories. Right. I mean, it's such a good one because you're so right. You're so right, by the way, that this is one that gets picked on a lot. It's the Apple Watch. I mean, for crying out loud, I love my Apple Watch. It does. It reminds me when to stand up. I mean, honestly, I am a person who could get stuck to this. My tush could get stuck to this chair. It's easy. I like that I have something that gets to do that for me and says, hey, you might want to stand just for like a minute. That's (laughs) right. And then people yell at me, like people yell at me, they yell at me all the time. Like, you're crazy that you have to get your steps every day. I'm like, you could call me crazy, but it's the thing that keeps me from being crazy. Like it's the thing 100%. that keeps my brain in place. And those are the, pe- the people that are like, oh, you're disordered or whatever. The minute I got hurt, the minute I slipped and fell and broke bones and was like, they want to get, I want to talk while, to you about that. Yeah. I took my watch off. Right. I just said, I'm not going to contend exactly. with this. I just exactly. took my watch off and I healed. Like I'm not, I, I'm actually really right in my mind when it comes to this specific like the thing that they want to say that I'm the most deranged about is actually where I'm the sanest right talk to me about my worrying yes I need help talk to me about so many other things (laughs) I I could use some more support but when it comes to food in my body I'm pretty damn good and and pretty lucid and understanding about all of it I've done that work well but that's why I think it's so important that we have you and, and people oh, like it. No, no, but yeah. seriously, but you, because when you share that stuff and when you do a what I eat in, the, in a day, it shows to me 
to me. This shows yeah. the exact reason why nuance is important. It's because yeah. what you're doing is not to say, look at me, I'm meditating on a lotus leaf. What you're doing is saying, I'm a real person. Like yeah. I, I'm a real person and I yeah. happen to have lost 70 pounds yep. and kept yep. it off. And, yep. and therefore you don't, you shouldn't be taking what I do as gospel, but you nope. should be saying, oh, interesting idea. I like, like I saw you eating yeah. a granola and it made me literally want, I went on Amazon. And I was like, how much is that? Cause that it. looks good. Like yeah. it just, yeah. like, do you know exactly. what I mean? Like we need ideas. Yeah. Like everyone needs ideas. Yeah. We used to rely on lots of other sources before we had social media for ideas. And some Correct. of those were and good and some of those weren't, yeah. but we didn't have everyone weighing in every time we made that kind of choice. And now yeah. just because we have some greater transparency doesn't mean we should be punished for that either. You know, Correct. like it's just, yep. can yeah. we, can we go back? I want to, I want to go back to the injury first. Let's start with, let's start with the most recent. Let's start with the injury first. Yeah. What, what happened? I feel like I remember this. Now, I feel like it was like yeah. a slip. It was like something it nuts. Slip. It's so embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it couldn't have like fallen off a horse and broken my back. I know. You know, I, I think that there's really, there's incredible grace when bad things happen, totally. when you can see in the moment how lucky you are. Yeah. And I think that when life gets chaotic and there's a lot of stressors around, it's hard to, to have gratitude and not like in an Oprah way. I mean, sincerely, it's hard to like sometimes realize all the good stuff that you have. But I was in my kitchen walking toward my den. We go down two stairs into mm. my den because I had to have high feelings. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and my husband's in the den and I'm looking at him talking and not looking at the stairs. And oh, I was in no. slippery socks, no treads. And oh. so instead, so I slipped on the top step and my feet came out from under me. So I went flying up and then landed oh. on my back, like the side. So like the base of my ribs. Oh my God. So the point of impact was such that I cracked two ribs <sighs> and three transverse processes. Oh my and, God. Um, and in the moment when I landed and my husband was of course right there, like immediately I just said, okay, can I move? Like that was like, can, does everything work? Right. And, it, and I hadn't landed on my head. And so the minute I knew that everything worked, I was like, I, you, this is a fucking gift. Like I, I, I have had if I had landed experience. in, yeah. yeah, in any other way, I could have been paralyzed. If I right. hit my head, I could have had a brain injury. I mean, right. those are all really bad possibilities. Right. So I really, in the moment, had the truest gratitude and felt so lucky. And then look, I had to do two weeks or three weeks of really resting and I'm not comfortable with that and resting with pain. Oh my not good God. at that. I don't take medications for pain. I'm pretty averse to sort of the concept of narcotics for me. They don't yeah. work on me. They're yeah. not my chemistry doesn't work well with them. And so and I've never experienced pain like this in my life. Bone pain is like a oh serrated knife on fire going in and out of you at moments that you don't anticipate. And it is an extended pain. So like oh if you twist, you feel this pain and it won't stop. So for the first two weeks, I would start howling because I didn't know your body right. does things. So like I'd be walking through my house and start to smell and pain. Motherfucker, right. da, 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 da. And like <laughs> brother was home at the time. My son was not, I mean, poor kid was, calling me twice a day Aww. and he doesn't, you know, want right. to talk to his mom twice a day, but to check on me, but really I had, it was involuntary. It was all visceral responses. Right. And, and then I started to feel better, but I did, you know, I do believe that 
movement is medicine. And as soon as you're able to like move through an injury and your doctor says it's okay, then, then that's what you do. And that's what I did. And so I was really down for the count for close to three weeks. And then I was back to walking again. And, and it was also good because I saw that I didn't, you know, my body didn't all of a sudden morph into something else. Yeah. I was afraid of that, which is fair. And, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think, first of all, I love that you say that too, because I think that is also a totally normal feeling for people who are regularly active. When you're suddenly not active, it's definitely normal and okay to be like, wait, what? Like, I'm sad. Yeah. Like, to be afraid of that is like a totally normal feeling. Correct. I feel like that needs to be out there. Not because you right. have some sort of problem or obsession. No, you want to heal. And obviously, that's going to be the priority for you. Like, you yes. weren't being like a lunatic who was like, let me just make nope. sure that I'm doing whatever, you know, I got to get my stay or not. When you break your ribs, you literally yeah. can't do that. I, yeah. I just, the pain, but when I think about you taking a deep inhale, yeah. With two yeah, cracked bad. ribs. I just, I feel like my breath has gotten shallow. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't sleep. The, the bad oh part was the God. sleeping. There was no way to sleep. And I, in the, in the middle of the night, I'd be like with all the dogs oh, running no. teeth, right. I'd be like crawling on the pillows, trying oh. to get myself comfortable. And it was, it was rough, but I'm fine. Like I healed right. so quickly and I know that I healed it so really well. It really is because amazing. I, yeah. I take good care of myself and your muscle does, you know, yeah. there is muscle memory and and I'm fine now. How long yeah, did it okay. take for like the first, the first, like before yeah. you were howling randomly? Uh, I would say two full weeks of howling and then it subsided. Then it was just like intermittently. I'd get like a little pang, a little something. Uh, but then I was in and I was very careful getting back. I started walking slowly again, no hills, very, very slowly. If I was on a treadmill, no incline. Yeah. Um, and then in the past, like once I hit, I started back to probably 10,000 steps by four weeks. I was back to walking the, the distance, yeah, but not, not the incline, right? And no wrist weights or anything. It's and now really it's six and a half weeks and I'm back to normal. Yeah. That's really, really amazing. Does it yeah. feel like, are you still like, like randomly like, Oh, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, randomly I have like a memory of the point of impact, but again, why I was so lucky is it wasn't, right. you know, the nerve yeah. that it hit, is like a structural nerve, not like yeah. a joint. And it's not like it, I don't have sciatic pain. I don't right. have anything other than like a spot injury, you know, right. like I'll right. feel like, like a bruise almost. And that's however long it, I don't care. It's fine. So it, did you, yeah. when, when it happened, did you like, I, I'm guessing you had to take some yeah. time. Did you have to take time off? Maybe you didn't. <clears throat> no, I didn't take any oh time God, off. This I, is um, yeah. This is yeah. Amazing. And I would scream during the show. Right. Actually, there's probably recordings of it. Katie and Marcus were on the air, and some days I'd be in the middle of the show, and I'd be talking to them, and I'd be going, motherfuckers, come and fuck me, <laughs> literally. And they, they would, they would, and I'd be like, oh, my God, you guys, I'm so sorry. But it just hurt. Like, I just got a jab. I just got stabbed. Because that's what it felt like. Like, it, and there was no, you know, I, like, position my right. body the wrong way. And I, but, yeah, no, I showed up to work. Oh, I just, like, God. Yeah, I just. So, you know. so that, I mean, that's really, that's, that is seriously, that is, that is mental strength like yeah. no other. There she yeah, is, folks. Strong. I mean, that's that, pretty yeah. awesome. I've got to say, I mean, I, I get it. It's not for everyone, but that's fucking awesome. And it deserves Thank the credit you. where it's due. Damn. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. 
<laughs> just you. Like, because yeah, no, you can't but... laugh at anything. Like, that's what I'm also thinking about is that you like can. how many times a day I laugh at something just silly, like, just like, it's just like an sure. automatic response. And then nope. you're no, no laughing. It's very laughing, serious. Coughing, sneezing. Right. No, there, there, you know, no dice. Oh God. Don't okay. do it. I'm going to stand yeah. up straight. Just thinking about it. Okay. I was just wondering if you would share with us yeah. the process of like, where you, where you started 70 pounds ago yeah. and 12 years ago. Yeah. 12 years 12. Ago. So, yeah. so, um, I'm going to go back a little bit farther than that because my weight was always like up and down as a kid, but I was never really obese or having the disease of obesity or like considered that heavy as a child. But with my mother as my mother, I was considered that heavy as a child. So even though if you look at the data and the numbers from when I was a kid, mm. it wasn't so bad, it felt so bad. And so yeah. maybe my weight went um, as high as 20 pounds more than I am now, even if that, uh, mm-hmm. probably less than that when I was in high school. I really developed a significant weight problem in my, I would say, mid 30s, early 30s, mid after I had children. And I'd like to blame it on pregnancy. It's not. It wasn't pregnancy. It was, I mean, my kids were at my highest non-pregnancy weight. My younger child was four. So mm. I can't, that was not postpartum weight at that point. Totally. And if I really, my, my brother and my sister always say like, why don't you say you were 90 pounds heavier? And cause I was at that point, right. but I don't go from that number because I think my real, my real heavyweight was 70 pounds from where I am mm. now. And that the 90 yeah. was something else. The 90 was right. stress and who knows what in my life at the time, but the genesis of my finally losing weight and keeping weight off, because like everybody else who's had a weight problem throughout their life. I lost a lot of weight senior year of high school, or I lost weight when I was 16, or I lost weight at 22. I could tell you at 22, when I lost like 23 pounds, because I only weighed 20 pounds more maybe than I do now, but I was so fat in my head. I was so fat. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm, I, um, mm -hmm. that summer I over-exercised and did not eat. And maybe that's the only time in my life that I kind of walked the line between mentally okay and not when it came to my body. But I learned so much because when I did get down to that magic number in my head back then, um, which doesn't hold power, thank God, anymore, I was terrified there. I didn't like attention from men. I was, Mm. I didn't, I didn't know how to embrace being pretty. I found it all very uncomfortable and weird and terrifying. And I immediately started eating again. Like it was not... I was so uncomfortable with the attention, which is looking back bizarre. I should have had fun, mm. but I, mm, I was so uncomfortable. Right. And it, I think, I think that everything that sort of led to my losing weight at 39 years old included the fact that I was 39 years old and that I understood at 40 that getting attention or people thinking I was pretty or actually being seen right. was something that I was ready to be able to handle. Yeah. And so, really like which that. is a real thing. Yeah. And you know, when I was a kid that, Oh, you have such a pretty face. Oh, you have such a pretty face. God. Now, I'm 52. Oh, right. I, I mean, I, now I think I'm funny looking cause I'm older and it's a whole different thing, but like, <laughs> I, you know, it's a weird, our great. society is very crazy. strange, yes. but you know what I mean? Our yeah. society is really weird with, with physical beauty and what's attractive and what isn't. And I, and there was always a, but 
Mm. for me. So there was always the, so I never really embraced beauty or pretty because it was always a, but, you know, but her legs are fat, but she's fat or, but this or, but that. And now, you know, now I just don't care. Like either like me or you don't, you find me pretty great. You don't, I just don't, I just don't care. And, 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 but at 39, I think I knew that there was a window for me to have fun with feeling attractive for me and my skin. Mm -hmm. And there was a window for me to sort of feel like with my kids, I could run around and do things and show up. And then I think the biggest, unfortunately, catalyst was that my mother had died. And, and, and while she was the best mother and loved me fiercely beyond measure, she was really screwed up when it came to her body and the importance of size. And because she was so screwed up and she had very little understanding of the difference between herself and her daughters, she and her son, she couldn't, you know, I was an extension of her. Mm -hmm. So, and we had similar body shapes. I have her legs. Thank you, mommy. And so she, (laughs) you know, couldn't let go of that. And so, so much of my identity was wrapped up in being her daughter with the weight problem. And I think every time I lost five pounds or 10 pounds, while I might've been happy, there was such an angry part of me that knew that I was making her happy and couldn't let that be subconscious for sure but I couldn't let that be and I think when she died and we were in such a good place Mm. and you know we'd been in such a good place probably for 10 years in terms of my body and I mean when I said been in a good place like I've never had an estranged day from anyone in my family exactly I I could not possibly imagine Judaism yeah (laughs) no yeah no I mean we're involved with each other I live next door to my mother like I talked to her every day of my life while she was alive like every single day she would wake me up every morning whether we were sleeping or we weren't my slant of mine would ring and and she was funny but I think like when she died something in me knew it was time to let go of whatever was that angry Mm. part of me not letting me like lose weight and be who I wanted to be. And, and then additionally, I think I was terrified that I would die. Mm. She um, had pancreatic cancer. And while my mother was eating disordered and, and addicted to pain pills and had a myriad of issues throughout Mm. the years because of her body and, and her anxiety levels and things that weren't treated because nobody knew what to do. Right. I, even though she was super thin at the time she, she got sick, I know that cancer loves fat. And so there was this part of me that was like, well, if she was so skinny and still got cancer, then I'm like making this even, I'm making myself a bigger target literally by keeping weight on me. So it's like a double whammy in terms of opening myself up to potentially having a metabolic disease like cancer and a digestive cancer to boot. So that was part of it. I also was diagnosed with high blood pressure, which was horrible at 39 to be diagnosed with high blood pressure because like I always knew I had high cholesterol from when I was Mm. a kid and that was genetic and annoying, but like I knew that thing was there. Right. And then to then have this in here, I was like, well, for fuck's sake, like now what do I do? And I had, um, you know, I had for years, really great, helpful people around me. I credit Dr. Lou Aroni with, you know, saving my life when I was 25. I had gone to him for the first diet at 25. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't lose weight till 40 because I wasn't ready to lose weight. But he had this, you know, long before there were doctors trained in obesity medicine. This is what he was doing. And he had incredible people in his office and incredible registered dietitians yeah. that never made me feel fat about being me. And I 
changed my entire diet. Yeah. I um, did calorie count. I know that's not for everybody, but like Atkins wasn't, I failed on Atkins. Like I gained a pound on Atkins after doing it for a month because all I ate was cheese (laughs) and the calories were crazy. Like it's supposed to make you not want to eat more with Atkins. Like that's why it works. So with satiety, you get full and you stop being nauseated. I was like, I was a bottomless pit. Like give me more cheese. So like I gained a pound and I cried. But he had these great dietitians and I would go and I would get on a scale backwards with my ears closed, yeah. even though the scale was digital. Right. I, I know, but this. still, if there's something about the do doctor's that. office, which is honestly Scary. where so many of our, everyone's problems start is like the early day when you were a kid and your doctor would yeah. be like, bro, wow. Or like yeah. some kind of weird comment. Like you don't have to yeah. talk. You actually don't yeah. have to say anything. <laughs> I know. And I had this, um, I was so lucky because this so this nutritionist name is Kathy Isoldi. She had gone and taught mm. at NYU at one point. I feel like I know she that was, name. Like she's amazing. Name. Yeah. And she was so kind and taught me little things like I would think that it was better to eat one um a mini size of a cookie rather than like half a big cookie. And she would say to me, No, the mini size actually has more chocolate per cookie. Mm-hmm. If it's a chocolate covered cookie, then the bigger one. And again, this is in in, in the year right. two thousand eight or whatever. Right. You know, like it's a different yeah. timing. And she just I mean, these these people were incredibly supportive. And I get on the scale backwards with my ears covered. And I really didn't lose much in the beginning. My way, you know, the way I lost weight was I would lose two pounds in a month. I yes, wouldn't lose weight for two weeks. Works. Then right. I'd lose three pounds the following week. So every month, maybe I lost four pounds, maybe one month five, maybe one month six. Right. But this is not some quick weight loss. This is like a pound, of, you know, the real, yes. yeah, stop, you change your food. Right. I added exercise later. But I think the other change was, this was the first time in my life, I did not care about being small. I didn't, I just didn't want to be clinically obese. I just, that was yeah, it. It's and just what prior, you weren't feeling like, yeah. like that's who you were. If it fe- like that's just ultimately it. it right? Yeah. I just didn't want that. And then I was like, so if I could just not be clinically obese, that'll be good enough. Like that was because it was health. It was all about health for me, being here for my kids and like enjoying my life. And then when I got to that point where I could look at the number on the scale and I wasn't clinically obese, I was like, oh, I'm actually living my life. Like I can start to exercise or I can change like, and I remember some of the things I used to eat. I used to eat for dinner. I'd take like Kashi Golin mm. and I would take a skinny cow cone and I would dunk it in my Kashi Golin and eat it like sprinkles. Right. And, and so that would end up being like a lot of protein yeah. because the Kashi Golin <laughs> had protein in it. And my skinny cow cone was like satisfying the dessert thing I had. And that was like a perfect 300 calorie dinner for me, which is the same as the lean cuisine or whatever. And I was happy. And that's when I really learned that you really do just have to do the things that, that work for you. And if you're a vegetarian, be a vegetarian. If you're a vegan, be a vegan. If you want to eat meat, eat meat. But like, and you could change it all. And that was the other thing. Like there were weeks that I'd only eat carbs and weeks that I'd really eat way fewer carbs and way more protein. And, and I learned then when I finally did, you know, in 2010, that to maintain the weight, I had to exercise and, and, and that my food habits would always change. And that had to be okay. I'm hormone driven. And sometimes, you know, I can go weeks where I eat zero Ralph Sices 
and weeks that I have to have Ralph Spices every day. You know, you said this earlier, and I've been thinking about Ralph Spices ever since then. Sorry. And I've got to say, where am I going to get them? I don't know in the I city. I don't know. But now I'm on a mission. <laughs> Oh, good. They're so good. I love but a look, I, You yeah. know what? I look, I, and I know Jackie, you, you would know this. Like some days my nutrition isn't top of the line, but then other days like today I've eaten, you know, some cheese and my coffee and I had cucumber and tofu, which is like, it's like, you can get that in a macrobiotic restaurant. Right, like right, some days right. my nutrition's great. And other days it's just, you know, bread alone. And that's real life. It's like real life. I'm not going to yeah. pretend that I'm whipping up, you know, everything with kale and cheese seeds. <laughs> like that's too laborious. And I'm just not doing it. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I love, I love everything about what you just said. I love everything about what you just said. I just feel like it is so real. It's so real life. And also you make such an important point on multiple fronts. Number one is that sometimes cereal and ice cream, whether it has the Goline yeah. packaging or the skinny cow packaging or whatever yeah. it is, because most of them are all the same, except for the Goline, which just happens to have much higher protein. protein. Like, okay. Yeah. But like, that that does work sometimes like the, as in yeah. what satisfies you i think that is just That's so right. perfectly well said what satisfies yeah. you satisfies you now can change tomorrow and ultimately yes. it's all in the name of what actually works for you and that's also that's okay right. to share it because more people need to see what it looks like that it doesn't right. have to look like because I, you know and we were talking about breakfast earlier today and it's such yeah. an important one with breakfast because i talk about breakfast a lot meanwhile yeah. uh, my breakfast could look like last night's dinner it also could look like, I right? Like dinner the for idea. Exactly. Dinner for breakfast. I also love breakfast for dinner. You know what I mean? Like they, yes. they, we just like have some of these ideas or like these pictures of what certain things are supposed to look like. And they don't always that's have right. to, like they can look right. like a whole mess and that's still okay. It, it just really, it just has to ultimately come down to what your intention is for going there. Are you doing it yeah. out of sadness or are you doing it? Cause that's what you love to eat and it feels really right Correct. for you. That's right. And then, you know what, Jackie, the other thing is that people will, and you're a registered dietitian, so you actually know portion portion sizes, like what the right portion sizes are. Everybody's confused. Yeah. People think <laughs> yes. more, more, more. If you yeah. really look at a portion size, like on one of the days that I got yelled at, I had eaten ice cream and a burrito. The burrito was this big. Right. The burrito was at least 1,000 calories, maybe 1,200 calories. When you take a 600-calorie wrap, you fill it with yeah. rice, and you fill it with beans, and you fill it with cheese. That's a calorie dense burrito. So yeah. having that plus having an ice cream is going to take me to the 13, 1400 calorie range. It just is. I don't right. make the rules. Right. That's the math. <laughs> the and, and I had had my right. coffee, which probably had sweetener in it. And so, and people were like, this is anorexia. This is not okay. This is not eating. And I'm like, well, how is it not eating or not enough when I've just told you the, the caloric, because people think, that a portion size is what it is. You know, four cups of pasta. I get down four cups of pasta in a second, but four cups of pasta without any sauce is 800 calories. Mm -hmm. So like to make it like it's not yeah. is just you know, right. And cream cheese, if you've ever really looked at a serving of cream cheese and mm -hmm. actually taken the time to take one actual tablespoon of it, and that's 50 calories, which is fine. Right. You have three. I don't care if you have three tablespoons, right. but like, know you're having those three tablespoons. A tablespoon of peanut butter for 100 calories is delicious. Nobody eats one tablespoon of peanut butter. So let's be honest. 
about what we're eating. And you'll see the calories add up pretty darn quickly, which is why when people get all bent out of shape about how many calories somebody eats, well, look, I can't eat 2000 calories a day and expect to maintain my body weight. I won't. Right. You know, like, you know, what's funny about what what I'm not funny. What what's really interesting about what you just said about pasta is that it's always my go-to example when so working one on one. It's so delicious. But actually the fun the funny thing, the actually funny thing about pasta is that we are so used to the sort of portion, the massive portion size yeah. that we see of pasta alone. Of course. There's I no know. vegetables in the pasta. There's no I protein know. in the pasta. Like, so, no, so then no it's very yeah. easy to eat the whole box or whatever it is when you're not combining it, it with other things. Whereas, right? So like, exactly. Throw the broccoli <laughs> in, throw the zucchini in, of course. <laughs> throw an entire tree in there. Right. Exactly. Put Yes, but that's, but, but that's the thing. Like people, you don't, you know, I never pretend that I can't eat more. I'm honest in saying I choose not to. And I don't think that people should be angry because we set some limits and boundaries that we know are, are better for our Right. Right. Well, I mean, there's no such thing as like flexibility and therefore like happiness <laughs> without right. some sort of framework for like understanding things. So like as much as we can demonize certain words or units yeah. of energy, which is why I feel like we need to bring the calorie back just generally, because we're not, we're you. not talking about what it actually is, which is units of uh, energy. Like that's what I it's know. meant for. So then how do you yeah. have a gauge? Like if you don't, like maybe you don't know numbers, maybe in a perfect world, your children's children will be able to say, I have an apple and peanut butter before I go to soccer for this reason, right? Like, because I know that I'm, but we're just not quite there. And until we get real about like, actually what it means to feel energized, then we don't really know. Like, then it's, it's hard to know what actually would work for us, you know? Of course. And you are smart and educated and you know, of course, nutrition is the most important and 300 calories of an apple and peanut butter is much better for our systems than 300 calories of jelly beans. And we're right. going to feel better and sustain right. the energy and whatever right. else from the, the from the more nutritious option. But you can't even say healthy anymore. You I know. can't even say- <laughs> You have to black you know, out words. Good and bad. <laughs> and I, I'm not so serious about good and bad. Like right. pizza can be great calories or it can be bad calories depending on when I eat it and why. Like it's so, you know, yeah. people are really- And I think you're very open about what you do and why you do it and what you eat or whatever. You know, I just, when, when you see the nutritionist pretend that they don't ever eat certain things, that they only eat certain things I get, that's when I get like, yeah, I can feel it. Like I can sense it. And it drives me nuts. You know what it is? I'll give you a really good example. Something came up and I don't know, it might've actually been on the podcast. It might've been somewhere else. Whatever it was, I I was speaking with someone who was talking about juice. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows is probably is going to hear this and start just hysterically. I just have a thing about a, a frustrate. It was an orange. You took 17 of them. You squeezed them together. And right. now you lost the best part. Orange. Exactly. Like right. I'd rather you just eat, eat orange. the orange and maybe have an orange seltzer if you feel so inclined. Yeah. Okay. But besides that, I have a thing about the idea of that. And that has genuinely nothing to do with weight and everything to do with data on sugar sweetened or sugar containing beverages, right? And health and overall health outcomes. So like when I hear about diet, like when a dietitian will say something to me, like I'm drinking juice and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I'm fine with you having that 
uh, of course, like in a in an overall generally well-balanced pattern of eating. But I feel like when you're saying this as though you're giving the the big middle finger to the man here, who who is that? Right. Like, because right. ultimately, like, what about your like, what about you not having long term risk of heart disease like that? Because that is ultimately also important like that, that, that can't be lost. You know, like we can't yep. lose that from the whole topic of conversation. Another yeah. really good one, like a classic diet culture. I did posted something about this a while ago, but I saw this thing that was just like sort of a whole, and it, I think what, that if we were to redefine diet culture, it would be better said as late eighties, early nineties speaking, uh, the way that we spoke about health. It's almost just yes. that it's like a little dated, like it's less of that it's course. like, and it was this thing that's at a resort in Florida. Florida. And it says like, it, it, they used to give out when in better economic times, they would give out these cute little cupcakes. They were probably, and they would call them, they would tell you that they were, because it's a spa, they would call it a hundred calories each. Okay. Yeah. And then they'd give you the miles like on the fit and it's still there. It's posted, right. And that I feel like, okay, that's not how we should be thinking about food and health. Like that's just, that is the definition never right works. there. Hallmark yeah. of diet and culture. Never and it never yeah, works. Because work. then that, that kind of numbers yeah. obsession of like a, I eat this, nope. therefore I need to burn that. That's nope. where you're showing people the wrong, that's the wrong way. <laughs> doesn't work. Yeah. Right? Well, it just doesn't work. It just right. doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Because no, it, it, it creates that obsession. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. I also yeah. really love what you said about your kids. I just feel like that's just so powerful too, because I think that, that, that cultivating a relationship with health and cultivating a relationship with body image and personal and, yeah. and like, and how you look and how you feel that those can all be totally separate and different things. Like how you feel about That's yourself, right. like wanting them to, to feel like empowered, to feel like themselves is like a huge yeah. deal. Oh yeah. No, your body, your weight should never eclipse your worth. And it also shouldn't create your worth. It's just both sides are not okay. You shouldn't think that you're, you know, some kind of great, whatever, cause you're skinny. You shouldn't feel like you're awful cause you're fat. Like it just, it's silly. Right. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just food and it's just your body. And you have to somehow right. separate out like the you a bit. Um, yeah, I don't. If we have listeners who have come for Jenny, I'm going to come yeah. for you. I'm just saying. Okay. All right. <laughs> number I'll one. Them. And, yeah. number <laughs> and number two is you've got to tell us we, we end before I let you officially go. We end every yeah. podcast with a good, okay. It's, it's, your last, it's not your last day on earth. It's your, it's your last day before you go to space with Elon Musk. Okay. He okay. invited you and he was like, we're going to set up a studio for you. Yeah, in the you're, sky. Coming. you're coming. Mm -hmm. What, mm -hmm. where are you going? What's on the menu? What, okay. what are we eating? I'm going with yeah. you. So, uh, so okay. just tell me where we're going. Think about this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So look, I think it's either like a Simone Gardens pizza. Ah, no, I can, I can put away an entire pizza easily. Like the people who are like, I'm really full after one slice. I'm like, Hey, you're, <laughs> you're lying. You're a liar. So I think I'm eating pizza. I think I'm probably eating some sort of noodle. Lately, I've been very obsessed with the radiatory noodle. It's like a perfect shape. Oh, and I saw I, that. I saw yeah, that. I think it's yes, nostalgic. It's so cute. Have you... Have you ever eaten at EAT on the Upper East Side? Yes, so EAT of used to make they used to make a radiatory in like a tomato basil with Parmesan cheese cold pasta salad, and I think it's nostalgic, and that's probably totally, why totally I love it so much. But I've been making it with tomato sauce and fresh mozzarella melted oh. in the pot with it, and Parmesan cheese and salt and. The trick with spicy tomato sauce is you add a teaspoon of sugar because it counteracts the heavy spice of the, yeah, the heat. 
and it makes the most delicious pasta. I learned that from Alex Bornicelli. And it's um, because she's an iron chef. Alex Gornicelli tip, 100%. (laughs) I know. I know. And so, but it changed my pasta, it changed my sauces. And so I, it's that I can eat, and then I can eat a vat of that easily. easily. And then I would have to, you know, probably have some sort of ice cream. I mean, I, because I like ice cream. It's, and it's joy. I mean, ice cream is life. Yeah. I'm really in Delicious. a pistachio phase. If you had a, if you had to go with the flavor, yeah. if you had to go. I mean, I've been in, yeah, peanut butter cookie dough mixed with graham cracker. Those oh two flavors together yes. work really, really well. I like vanilla fudge because that's like a Long Island Baskin yes. Robbins kind of thing. But I also, I also am a cake expert. So I love a dark, like a chocolate chocolate cake with a white cream cheese frosting is insane. And then I like a yellow cake with a vanilla frosting. So I, you know, I would just keep eating. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go drool for a little while. (laughs) Jenny, where can our listeners find more Jenny? So I'm at just Jenny Hutt on Instagram and at Jenny Hutt on TikTok. And then my show is just Jenny on Sirius XM Monday through Fridays, noon uh, Eastern. Wherever you are, check your time zone. Yeah. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for having me on. This is the best. You're lovely. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today to this episode of On the Side with Jackie London. If you enjoyed today's episode, please snap a screenshot of your podcast app on your phone, post it to your Instagram stories, and tag me at JacquelineLondonRD to let me know your favorite takeaway from any part of the episode. If you're loving the show, if there's a topic you'd love to hear more about or a guest you'd love to listen to here, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. You can scroll down on your podcast app to where it says ratings and reviews and rate this one five stars, of course, and share your feedback. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and start feeling more empowered and living better one meal or snack at a time. Of course, be sure to follow On The Side wherever you get your podcasts to ensure you won't miss out on any episodes. And remember to check us out. Check out the Q&A deep dive on the On The Side YouTube channel. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Keep in mind that any advice provided on this podcast is based off of my clinical judgment and application of research and practice as a registered dietitian, and it should not take the place of medical advice from your own personal physician. Until next time, cheers.